Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is helping realtors do more business. I have the perfect expert, my friend, Marty Garanty. He is president of Coast One Mortgage. Marty has had a long, successful career within mortgage banking. He was at Wells, Fifth Third, and Citizens Bank. Hi, Marty. Hey, Pat. How are you today? I'm doing great. And this is such an important topic. But before we jump into it, let's talk a little bit about how you got into our world of mortgage banking. That's pretty funny. Probably like most of us in the mortgage industry, I just knew somebody that had been doing it for years. And he said, hey, Marty, you should really come into the mortgage space. And so I took him up on that when I was 26 years old. Uh, What my friend didn't tell me is that I would make $12,000 my first year funding $3.4 million. So thankfully, I didn't judge my whole career on year one. (laughs) That's really funny, I have to say. And so from the standpoint of looking at your current position as head of a mortgage company, what challenges do you have in your current position? You know, I think like any mortgage leader these days, uh, and I'm specifically referencing the last 12 months, it's just so important to create a vision and to keep the team engaged in activities even in months when activities doesn't drive a new loan application. So, you know, to give you a quick example, I had a 20 or $30 million mostly purchased producer in January of this year fund zero loans. Um, But because of the activities that drove her 27 pre-approval loans, uh, you know, her head was in the right space. Well, that's certainly a really good point. And so often some people really just look at the end production and not looking at the activities. It's good to hear that you focus on the activities for sure. So when you look at this and and you talked about this year, but have you changed your managing style in this more difficult market? I think I probably tweaked it. It wasn't an overhaul, overhaul, Pat. You know, you and I got to know each other very well in the uh, lender landscape years when I was on those committees. But, uh, you know, most people in the industry just know me as a super positive individual, you know, glass half full kind of guy. But I think in addition to being motivational, what I have found myself in the last year doing is being more involved in creating the details that turn into value propositions for my loan officers to discuss with realtors. So that's one thing. And, I, and the second thing would be very focused on performance management. You know, when we're in a refi boom of 60% plus refinances and loans fall from the sky, it's easy for originators to be successful. Um, In the last 12 months, that's been a lot different. So it doesn't matter whether I'm talking to my top 20% loan originator, my middle 60 or my bottom 20, performance management has been a a must and in a focus of mine for the last 12 months, more than ever. Has there been anything else that you've been emphasizing? Well, I think we'll probably get into it with some of the ways that we're helping agents find find business and close more business. Sure. Um, but at a, at a high level, I guess, maybe diving even deeper into the performance management piece, I find that even those originators who are successful, you know, those are the ones who a lot of managers and leaders kind of ignore the the one-on-one conversation about a reflection of the past successes from the prior month or week. And, and those people probably need it even, even more so 
than some of the other uh, tiers of loan originators um, because they're drivers, right? And so they're always going to be open-minded on how to take their current success to the next level or get back to where they've been in the past. Well, you've had a long career in mortgage banking. And so if you could look at the crystal ball and see what trends that you think mortgage bankers need to focus on now, and what does that look like for the remaining part of the year? Yeah, I guess if I were just to identify three different areas of opportunities for uh, mortgage bankers is, and I'm going to speak at the loan officer level. Mm -hmm. um, one is really uh, relationships. It's just so important to build the relationships with referral sources and, and borrowers. It's not easy because a lot of originators have come out of the woodwork, so they're kind of chipping away with visibility, but you can really distinguish yourself if you build a relationship even beyond the, the professional aspect of it in, uh, in creating those deep relationships and bonds to, so your referral sources really trust you more than the competition. So that's one. The second thing would be know why you're unique because referral sources have options, right? They have options locally from local competitors. They have options to go to call centers, whether that's a rocket mortgage, that sort of thing. So loan originators just really need to develop that unique value proposition and what is it about them and why somebody should use me with, with your customers. And then the third thing, I would say it just, it just boils down to work. And, and in fact, I will say work, 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 especially now here we are at the end of June. So we've got the historically slower summer months of July and, and August while folks are vacationing. But I would say to originators, don't take your foot off the gas pedal. Even though there's gonna be people not in the office on some days or some weeks, make sure that you are constantly out there working and make sure that your visibility is high. So some originators tend to gravitate toward one form of communication and that might be face-to-face. -face. Other originators, especially the younger originators, they are really uh, robust in their social media marketing. And you know, some like to work with texting. I would suggest to people trying to find business today, you have to be the master of all forms of communication, face-to-face, -face, social, texting, any way that you can get your word out and create and strengthen those relationships and be visible to consumers and referral sources. Well, I agree with you 100%. And too often what you see certainly is originators only depending on one form of communication. So I think, Marty, that's really a great point. Well, let's dive into our topic today about helping realtors do more business. Why don't you share some of your thoughts? Sure. I think one of the ways that we can help realtors do more business is help them understand the market. You know, I'm thinking back, Pat, to last May and June, and the thing that was hitting my radar most through feedback from, from loan officers, from owners of real estate companies, managers of real estate companies, is back in May and June of last year, realtors in general thought the sky was falling down, right? They, sure. they, they didn't know what to expect, where the market was headed. They just saw weeks or months of rate increases that put buyers on a, what would seem forever, behold, forever hold on their next move up. And so one of the things that I did was leverage MBS Highway. In fact, I called Barry and asked him to host educational event for an hour with real estate agents that we do business with. We had several agents on that. 
and just the education of knowing that, hey, even though even though things have changed, even though there might be fewer buyers in the market or fewer sellers in the market, things go in cycles. So they their knowledge of recession and inflation and how that can actually bring things back around in terms of interest rates really help them put their mindset in the right place. So I would say that educating referral sources is a big part of it. So that's number one. Number two, one of the one of the things that we've been doing since oh gosh, gosh, maybe last fall is we host uh, regular virtual events, Pat. And the idea of our virtual events is to educate the realtor. So give them some professional development. Maybe it's on a product that they didn't think that they could place a buyer in a home um, based on a certain situation. Maybe it was on a, a way to market yourself to the community, that sort of thing. So just giving them some professional development. And then also how they can leverage mortgage capabilities to drive more buyers to them. So I think that professional development is really important. We've been doing that for several months now uh, through virtual events as well as face-to-face -face meetings. So that's the second thing. The third thing in terms of helping realtors do more business, this one kind of ties back to, gosh, maybe even 12 or 18 months ago, it's been a really hot seller's market. And with a hot seller's market, agents have been writing in multiple offer situations just so much so probably about a year and a half maybe even a little bit longer when i got this feedback from loan officers and from agents i was trying to rack my brain on how we could increase the value of the offer that they were presenting for a buyer so we came out with this guarantee to close on time where if the if the seller accepted our buyer's offer if we did not meet that contract date, then Coast One Mortgage would actually pay the seller $1,500. So it kind of made them a cash buyer because the only thing that needed to be done at that point was a home inspection and an appraisal unless we got a PIW. And so that was helping buyers agents get more offers accepted and, and listing agents appreciated it too because they had an extra vote of confidence with their seller in accepting an offer. So that was the third thing. Fourth thing, Pat, is I think it's really important, you know, as you think about what makes you unique, that's not just as a person that I mentioned above, mm -hmm. but also how can you make more consumers mortgage eligible? And so there is this sweet spot in the industry that not all lenders do, or that's maybe not used by even loan officers who work for a company who offer it, but there's this host of products called non-qualified mortgage. And so we have in-house products for non-QM loans. And there's, there's several groups of buyers that you can educate your referral source on that maybe can get them into a home or, or maybe even a higher priced home than what they thought. So for example, jumbo products in the non-qualified mortgage space can go up to a 50% debt to income ratio. And that's important because most depositories like to stop their jumbo lending at a 43% debt to income ratio. Non-QM products will help those people who are looking at condominiums, but maybe they're not warrantable through Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Another one is self-employed individuals. So rather than qualify off tax returns or 
pay stubs, that sort of thing, we can actually qualify a self-employed, so small or medium-sized business owner off the, the deposits on their bank statements. So the best example I have of that that just thrills me is on paper, uh, we had qualified a home buyer up to $1.2 million, but he couldn't find anything in 1.2 million range that he liked. So we leveraged the non-QM product and he did find a house for 2.3 million and we created a happy home buyer. And then there's opportunity with investors as well. Instead of underwriting off of uh, tax returns and W-2s, we basically get an estimate from the appraiser of rents. And as long as that estimated rental figure is enough to cover the house payment, they are good to go. So there's lots of different unique product variations that we can educate our referral sources on and help them create more buyers. So Marty, when you look at realtors as a whole, um, are pretty much obviously remote today, and which is much different back in the day when you and I were in the world of origination. What impact has that had on some of these programs that you've tried that you've been doing? Yeah, Pat, that's a great question, and and that was really the impetus of why we started doing these virtual events. Because mm-hmm. even if we went to a real estate office. And let's say, for example, it had 30 agents in that in that location. May, maybe 50% at best would show up, right? Sure. So we just made it more convenient for referral sources to be educated from their home office or wherever they might be. And so I think that virtual ability is really important. And, and actually, if there's one good thing that came out of COVID, it's, it's how we were all able to get to know and meet each other face-to-face over a computer. So are these live events or are these where you record them and then for those that can't make it that they can access them? Has that been important to you? We do two things. We do do them live. And Mm -hmm. so that way there's some Q&A time available at the end of the Mm -hmm. usually 45-minute presentation. But then we will also have a recorded version. And and then also if if a real estate branch wants to do a face-to-face with it, uh, because they had agents who missed, we will go back and do makeup sessions face-to-face as well. So I know that you're an analytical person, so I'm sure you've tracked the performance of some of these types of programs that you've run. Ha- where has that given you lift? I mean, has the virtual education been your number one source of increasing business? In today's market, Pat, I don't think that there's a silver bullet. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to say that the virtual events are giving us a 40% lift in volume. But I think the fact that we are doing them, adding adding information to a real estate professional's arsenal so they can appear different than other realtors that, you know, a consumer might be talking to. But I can tell you this, every virtual event that we've done, we have actually had more buyers referred to us than we would have the day before. Well, that says it works. That's what counts. And so from the standpoint of looking at when you're doing these, are you doing them just once a month or are you doing them twice a month? Because they sound like they've been very powerful. Yeah, we started out the first two we did monthly, and then we got feedback from the agents that monthly might actually get a little bit too much. And so we have modified that in, in the last nine months to quarterly. So have you looked at doing what would I call kind of the TikTok version of education where it's very short and to the point? Has that been something that's been tried? It has. So I think that that's most effective, just in my opinion, through 
certain loan officers doing mm -hmm. that because those are very short messages, right? Sure. They might last 30 seconds, 60 seconds. So I think that that's very brief, very short, but does provide information, hopefully enough uh, to make the phone ring for the originator. So have you looked at this issue of helping, and I'm curious about your response to the realtors that your company deals with, are they really what you would define as social media expert types, or is this an opportunity for a loan officer to help the realtor do more business by helping them with these other social media channels? Yeah, well, that's funny that you bring that up, Pat, because it it wasn't part of what I was going to share with you today. But two <laughs> weeks ago, we did have an office meeting with a real estate group. And I would say, you know, they're, it, it's not the majority of realtors' comfort zone sure. on social media. And so that whole hour session was built on educating them about social media, giving them some content, uh, some uh, content to give them confidence and uh that's definitely an opportunity. So if you're a loan originator who is very good at social media, you should definitely be talking to your partners about that. For sure. And I don't see enough uh, loan officers thinking like that. Uh, they they think that the, and, and many of the realtors certainly outsource some of their social media efforts, but certainly I do think it's a big opportunity for you. Are there other things that you see coming down the pike that you think might be really a, a lift for loan officers in helping the realtor to do more business? Yeah, I think uh, database management should be thought about aggressively right now because we are not in a refinance market, but as most of the experts predict, sometime in the next you know six months, 12 months, we'll have that opportunity. And so you wanna make sure that you're, you're active with your, your database and that can turn into opportunity for a realtor as well because if somebody bought X amount of years ago, instead of refinancing, they might just be in the market to purchase a new home. And, and we're also doing something called purchase perks, where we're using data analytics, market intelligence to, to know when some of these people in our servicing portfolio will be in the market to buy a new home and offering different discounts and that sort of thing. So when my loan officer gets those, those phone calls and those leads, then they, they obviously go back to the agent that referred them the business and and make sure they realign the, the consumer back with the agent. And so when you look at your top producers versus the other originators, what do you see different that the top producers are doing that the others are not? Consistency would be one thing. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned work, work, work earlier, and you know they, they focus on the basics, and that's being in, in front of people. So that's one thing. Mm -hmm. Second thing would be they are men they're mentally tough. They are not discouraged when they have an off week or an off month. They just they just keep going. And then the third thing, and I I can't state how critical this is. Good loan originators they need to be the master of products and of file quality. If you don't put together the very best file to get it through your operation system as quick as possible and the closing as quick as possible, you are gonna lose ground. You're gonna lose confidence with referral sources. It's not gonna drive that annuity uh, that you're hoping for in terms of referrals if you spend less time on quality. So stay focused on quality files. That's really a great point. And certainly we could go on for, for 
hours on this topic. I think all of your ideas are fabulous, and I think they're really right on target for sure. This is this is a business where work does make a difference. You put that effort in, you'll see the results. Any final comments that you'd like to make, Marty? No, Pat, I would just like to uh, say how much I appreciate talking to you and catching mm -hmm. up and and uh, send me a picture of that uh, cute dog that you have. <laughs> yeah, my co-webinar, my co-podcast, uh, Brent, right. for sure. Thanks so much. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. And I certainly appreciate Marty sharing his thoughts today and certainly you spending time with us. Thanks so much, Marty. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you spending time with us. If your sales team needs training in hiring and lead generation, schedule a free consultation by emailing me at psherlock at qfsconsulting.com.